we're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 16 and from verse 13 down to 23 just give you a moment to just find that So when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do they say the son of man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. Then Jesus asked them, but who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. And now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the powers of hell shall not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on the earth will be permitted in the heaven. Then Jesus sternly warned his disciples not to tell anyone he was the Messiah. And from then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day he would rise again from the dead. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid it, Lord, he said. This will never happen to you. But Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things from merely a human point of view and not from God's point of view. And if you will just turn over the page to chapter 17, I'm just going to read from a couple of verses there. And this is from verse right, 29. Six days later, Jesus took Peter and two of the brothers, James and John, and led them up to a high mountain to be alone. And as the men watched, Jesus was transformed before them so that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as, as white as light. And suddenly Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with him. I'm going to end the reading there. So at the beginning of this, this reading, you heard Jesus ask the disciples a question. Who do people say I am? And the disciples started their response with the word, well. And as soon as you hear somebody start to answer a question with well, you know it's not going to be an easy answer. Well. Some say he's this and some say he's that. Some say he's the other. And it would be really interesting if we could go outside now and do a survey of 100 people and ask them, who do you say Jesus is? Because it would depend on their culture, on their experience, on their age, on many things, on their own expectation and their own perception of who he is. That would depend on the answer that you received. But we hear from the scripture that Jesus was, was going around um, the region of Caesarea Philippi and many of the areas where the children of Israel were. 
and he was doing many miraculous things. He was raising the dead. He was healing the sick. He was giving sight to the blind. He was driving out demons. And the people were saying, who is this man? Who is this man that's got such authority over even the waves obey him? Who is this man that can command demons to leave and they have to leave? Because you see, the people were expecting a Messiah. They were expecting God to send someone who they thought was going to deliver them. And depending on their own perception and expectation on Jesus, some thought that he was going to become a mighty king and raise a sword and lead them into battle to defeat the Romans and free them from tyranny. Others thought that he was going to be a man like Moses, that he would gather them like a shepherd and lead them gently and provide for them. Others maybe thought that he was going to be like the, a high priest. He was going to come and endorse the law of God and, and preach and say, thus saith the Lord. So everyone had their own perspective of who Jesus is. But what's interesting is all of them said he's some kind of prophet. He's some kind of man from God. So they all recognized with what he was doing, this was no ordinary man. But none of them recognized who he actually was. Even though they were expecting, they were looking for the Messiah, not one of them could actually say, this is God's son. So then Jesus turned to the disciples. These were the people that followed him. They were with him day in, day out. They ate with him. They slept at his side. They saw what he did. They heard him preach. And he turned to them and he says, but who do you say I am? You, the ones that have followed me, have seen me and been with me. Who do you say that I am? Today we could ask the church, who do you say Jesus is? And this time there was no well. There was no well. But one of the disciples got up and said, Simon Peter said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. That is such a strong declaration. Because Peter wasn't a learned man, he wasn't a scholarly man, he was just a fisherman. So for him to be able to get up and make this strong declaration when there were high priests, teachers of the law, who could not declare Jesus was the Son of God, but thought he was sent from God. He was a prophet, he was a good man. And here is this fisherman getting up and saying, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God, the Christ, the Saviour. And this word Messiah means anointed one. It's the Hebrew word for anointed one. He could have said, you are the Christ, the Savior. Again, it just means the anointed one, the, the one that was appointed by God to come upon the earth, the one they were waiting for. And Jesus said to Peter, you are highly blessed because man has not revealed this to you. It is not through man's intellect, man's reasoning, that you have received this revelation, but it's come from God himself. God himself had to open Peter's eyes, open his mind, open his heart to understand that this man that he'd been following, this man that he'd been listening to and watching doing all these miraculous things was not just a prophet. He was actually God on earth, the son of God and the son of man. And that's just an amazing declaration for Peter to have. And to, and to show that it's not just from our own wisdom that we can perceive God. I'm just going to read from, um, actually I won't bother reading it, I'll just say it, from John's Gospel, where 
John the Baptist, great John the Baptist, said exactly the same thing when he saw Jesus coming towards him to be baptized. He said, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He declared that Jesus was greater than him because he was before him. And yet Jesus said that John the Baptist was one of the greatest men that ever lived. But John said, he's greater than me because he was before me. John declared that he wasn't even worthy to bend down and untie Jesus' sandals. But he said, I would not have known who he was, but it was God who told him, the one who you see the dove descend upon at the baptism and rest upon him, he's the one. He's the one who has been chosen. He's the chosen one of God. He's the Messiah. And John said, if God had not revealed that to him, he wouldn't have known. So if we're trying to perceive Christ by our human intellect, by our own expectations, our own experiences, we're going to get it wrong. Just like the people of Israel who watched him do all these miraculous things got it wrong. We need to have a revelation from God himself to who his son is. And we read that from then on, after Peter's declaration that he was the Messiah, Jesus started to speak plainly to the disciples about who he was. And he explained to them that the Son of Man came to suffer and to die. And the road that he was on at that moment in time, the things that he was doing, the things that he was saying, was going to take him to Jerusalem and to a direct collision course with the religious leaders of the Israelite world, that they were going to reject him, that he was going to suffer at their hands. They would beat him and abuse him, and then they would hand him over to the Romans, and they would beat him and abuse him. They would flog him to within an inch of his life, and then he would be hung on a cross to die. Can you imagine that? If you knew that that was your destiny, how many of us would actually say, yeah, I'll do it? But Jesus said freely he gave his life for us. Freely and gladly he came to obey God's will. And this proves that Peter, although he declared that Jesus was the Messiah, he didn't understand because it wasn't from his human intellect. Because here is Jesus telling him that the Son of Man has come to pay the price for the sins of the world. And Peter says to him, no, Lord, that can't happen to you. Now that we've found our Messiah, now that we've found the one who's going to lead us into battle, the one that's going to make everything okay, the one that's going to speak up for us, we want to keep you here. But Jesus had to reprimand him and say to him, basically, you don't understand why I've come. You're using human intellect again to try to understand the things of God. But you've got to see this from God's point of view, not from man's point of view. So what was God's point of view? In the beginning, we're told that when God made the heavens of the earth and he made man, he made us perfect and we had fellowship, union, relationship with God, total relationship with him. There was no division between us. But then the serpent came, the devil, and he planted a seed of doubt in the heart of man that what God was saying maybe wasn't quite true. And Adam decided to disobey God. And at that act of disobedience, sin came into the world. Sin came into us. And sin is a, is a seed of disobedience that was planted in the heart of every human being. 
So when you hear people say we are born of sin, they don't mean that. They mean that there is a, 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 an, an inherent seed within us that is sinful, an inherent seed that is geared towards disobeying God, towards going our way as opposed to going God's way, towards using our intellect to understand things rather than God's word and what God is saying. That's just within us all. So there had to be a plan because man at that point became separated from God. He was lost and he was going to a lost eternity. Nothing to do with what you did. Nothing to do with how good or how bad you were. Sin is a part of all of us. But we're told in John's gospel, and I'm just going to turn to that scripture. If you just bear with me. From John chapter 3. And verse 16. We hear that God had a plan. Because it was not God's desire that any human being should be lost. Not one of us. No matter what we've done. No matter what we've said. There is a, a, an opportunity for every human being to be redeemed and to be saved. And God's purpose was this, because he loved us so much. He loved the world so much that he gave his only son, that everyone who believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And God didn't send his son into the world to judge the world, but to save us. He never came to say, you've done wrong and you've done wrong and you've done wrong all your life. He came to actually take away the guilt and the burden of this sinful seed in our hearts to free us so that we were able to be born again of the Spirit of God, to recognize who Jesus is and to follow him and to be saved. So the Bible says there is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. But anyone who does not believe in him is judged already. They're judged because they don't believe in God and in God's one and only son. And judgment is based on this fact that God's light, which is Jesus, came into the world. But people preferred to live in disobedience. People preferred to say, I'm not going to follow God's way. I'd rather go my way the sinful way, the way of disobedience. And therefore they rejected the light and they refused to go near it because if you go near Jesus, he will expose the truth in you because he knows every single human heart, every mind, every motive, everything that we do is known to God before we've done it. The Bible tells us that before we were even created, God knew about us. He foresaw us from the very beginning. And Jesus came to die, not just for those that were before him, and not just for those that were with him at that time, but for those of us today, and for those of us that are to come, for our children and our children's children, because we don't know when the Lord is coming back. And this, in a sense, is such a privilege this morning to be here with these candidates, to recognize that at some point in their life, some way in their life, God revealed to them who Jesus Christ was. It wasn't because they sat and reasoned it out. It wasn't because they thought, hmm, let me just read. And you can read God's word, but if God does not reveal truth to you, this is just a book. And you'll read it like a book. But somewhere in their lives, 
God spoke into their heart and he revealed who Jesus Christ actually is. And that caused each one of these candidates to ask God into their hearts to become their Lord and their Savior because they recognized that on their own, there was no way, no matter what good act they did, could ever obliterate the sin that was in their life. And without Jesus Christ, they were going to a lost eternity. There was no hope. But each one of these people recognized and saw that Jesus Christ is the living Son of God and they chose to give their lives to him. And what they're doing this morning is a public declaration of that. Because what they are saying, just as Jesus was, was crucified on the cross and he died and he rose again three days later, they are saying, we are dying to our old life. We are giving up on that life that said, Lord, you, you've got to operate by my logic, by what I think, by my expectations. And they were saying to the Lord, we are rejecting that life. We are born again of the Spirit of God. And when we rise from this water, we're rising to new life in Christ. We're rising to the fact that the people of Israel were looking for a king. Jesus has become their king today. And he's promised he will fight your battles. To each one of you that have been baptized today, he is your king who will fight your battle if you trust in him. The people of Israel were looking for a priest. Jesus Christ has become your high priest and he intercedes between God and man for our sake. So whatever you stand in need of, go to your father, go to Jesus and tell him because he constantly seeks the face of God for us. They were looking for somebody to come and lead them like Moses. What does the Bible say about Jesus? He is the good shepherd. And the good shepherd takes care of his sheep. He leads us beside still waters. He provides pasture for us. Even when we have to walk through death itself, sickness, illness, you name it. He said, my rod and my staff will comfort and guide you. So we do not need to fear anything, brothers and sisters, not a thing. And I want to encourage every candidate that's going through this water, I pray that as you rise up from that water, God's spirit will descend upon you as it descended upon Jesus when he was baptized in the Jordan River and the full revelation of God will come upon you. And for those of us that are in the church who are have already declared Christ as our Lord and Savior, there's always more. There's deeper depths and higher heights to reach in him. And so I pray this morning that we will all cry out to God. We will all say, Lord, not my mind, not my intellect, but let your word speak to me. You reveal the truth into my heart so that I can see and I can understand. They are making a public declaration today that they belong to God, that they have rejected sin. And that doesn't mean that life is going to be hunky-dory and perfect. They're going to have troubles. They're going to have difficulties. They're going to have stresses. But the difference is they have a saviour. They have one that they can turn to who has promised to fight their battles, lead them by still waters, and guide and protect them in all they do. And so as we pray this morning, I just want to encourage anyone who is in this place today, who maybe 
has had their own concept of who God is. Maybe you see him as a judge. Maybe you see him as a killjoy. It's just you can't, you can't, you can't. And because of that, you've closed your heart off to him. Maybe there are people here who just say, Do you know what, I ain't religious. It's irrelevant to me. It doesn't mean anything to me. But I'm sure everyone's life means something to them today. Each and every one of us has a life and we want to keep it. And so as I just close in prayer, I'm just going to ask anyone in this place who doesn't know the Lord Jesus as their saviour, who's never actually experienced a revelation from God as to who Jesus is. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I'm not going to ask you to stand up even to raise your hand. But just as these candidates are going to give their declaration that they have gone from death to life, it has to come from you, from your own mouth. And I'm going to ask you where you're sitting, just to simply say to the Lord, would you reveal Jesus to me? Just confess, I've thought he was this, I thought he was that. But just ask the Lord, can you tell me the truth? Can you reveal him to me? Because God wants you to start your journey today. To your journey that one day you will rise from the waters of baptism as well. But it's not just rising from the waters of baptism. It means that you will rise for eternity to be with Christ. This is just a symbol that you're rising from death to life. But there is an actual transaction that's happening in the heavenlies where your spirit is reborn. You are renewed. God forgives everything that you have ever said and done. The Bible says he washes it away as if it was never there. And you become a new creation in him. You're born again of the spirit. And so I'm going to ask all in the church who are Christians. Just to pray for those who may be asking the Lord to reveal himself to them. And if there is anyone in this room who wants to just find out who Jesus is. You can whisper it in your breath. You don't have to shout it out loud. Because God hears every word that comes from your mouth. He knows every pang of your heart, every difficulty, every stress. He hears it and he knows it. So I'm going to ask you all to bow your heads. And to those that are in the church, would you pray for those who may be asking the Lord a question this morning? And for anyone who is asking God the question... You don't have to use special words. You don't have to be in any special position. All he wants to hear is your voice. He just wants you to ask him, who is Jesus? Who is he really? So that one day when the question is asked of you, who do you say Jesus is? You too can turn around and say, he's the Messiah. He's my savior. He's my king. He's my deliverer. He's my all in all. He's my friend. He's my confidant. He's the one who delivers me from every obstacle that I face. So as I pray, I just ask you all to pray as well. Lord, our God, our Heavenly Father. Lord, we are confident today that though you are in heaven, you look down upon the earth. And you see human beings. 
You see every heart, you see every soul. You know every desire of the heart, you know every obstacle, you know, Lord, all our thoughts and our feelings, you know, our worries, our weaknesses and our strengths. And this morning you have allowed us to meet in this place to hear your word and to witness the transformation from death to life of your children this morning. The transformation from a life of disobedience and separation from you to a life of obedience in you, Lord God. And I pray this morning for anyone who is asking that simple question of you, who are you? What's the truth? Lord, would you show them? Would you open their eyes? Would you open their minds and their hearts? Will you deliver them from every doubt and every obstacle that the devil would place before them right now, that they would see the Messiah, the Son of the living God, lifted up on high, that they will know that he came to die for them, to rescue and to save them. And I pray that they will call upon your name and be saved this day. And to all of my Christian brothers and sisters, I don't know where they are, I don't know what they're experiencing today, but Lord, that you will take us into deeper depths with you. You will reveal more of Jesus to us, Lord. You will allow us to get deeper into your word and you will just bring revelation after revelation so that when we walk out of this place and people ask us, who is this Jesus? We are able to say with confidence who he is. I ask you to bless every heart, Lord God. I ask you to bless these candidates and give them strength as they stand and declare before you that you are their Lord and Savior. I pray, Lord, that the testimony of their mouth will touch the lives of people in this room and, and others will be transformed as they have been transformed. And I pray, Father God, that as we leave this place, we will not leave this place as we entered it. We will know that we have been given a choice to come into the light, not to run from you, Lord, but to recognize that right from the beginning you had a plan a plan of salvation for every human being. And all we have to do is choose you. And so I thank you for this day and I pray that your spirit will just fall in this place, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.